Well, let's pray. Let's uh, come to God before I, I preach today. Lord, uh, you are a living God, and you are a powerful God. And you're a God who knows every single person sitting in this auditorium today, and you love them. You're more aware of what's going on in their lives and the deeper part of their hearts than even they and I know. But Lord, you love us and you come to us in Christ and you offer us grace and mercy. You offer us relationship with yourself. You call us into the kingdom of God so that we might be transformed, so that this world might be transformed in Jesus' name. So Lord, we gather together today for a lot of things. We have sung praise to you. We've We've seen this baptism and participated in it. Now, Lord, we come to a moment in time when we listen for your voice as we open the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak into the life of every person gathered here today, myself included. I pray that you would move by your Holy Spirit so that we would know that God has spoken. And Lord, I pray that we would be receptive to your voice. That still small whisper, I pray that you, you would we would all be receptive to what you have for us and that you would lead us deeper into a knowledge and into a relationship with you. To bless us, we pray, cause us to know your goodness. Ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the last in the series that, w that uh, we've entitled Not a Fan. And if you've been with us as a regular part of our church, and obviously we have many guests today, but we've been studying uh, this series at home in our life groups after I have preached. And, and again, I just trust that it has been a blessing to those who have engaged that. <clears throat> but the question has been, will we be fans of Jesus or will we be his followers? And we've tried to unpack what that means. We've tried to differentiate between what a fan is as they look at Jesus and they're impressed with him and they like what they see, kind of cheer him on, as opposed to those who really engage in relationship with Jesus and commit themselves to him and deal with the realities that come as his committed follower. Do we admire for, from a distance? Or do we engage in Christ? Today we're going to go back to John chapter 6. We did preach on this text in this series earlier. But Jesus has just fed the 5,000. That's the title. It's probably closer to 15,000. Because of 5,000 men means probably 15,000 men, women, and children. We don't know. But it's a big crowd. Understand that this is a huge thing that Jesus has done taking a few loaves and fishes, praying to the Father and feeding thousands upon thousands of people. What happens at, you know, out of that dynamic is that um, he develops a lot of fans. A lot of people send back, yay, Jesus, oh, we like this guy. He's doing some incredible things. He has made fans, but they won't stay that way. They won't. Uh, this is typical of Scripture. It happens in various places that Jesus impresses people, but they don't stay with them. You know, think about Jesus. Palm Sunday, he rides into Jerusalem. He's days away from his crucifixion. He's on the donkey. He's presenting himself as the Messiah. Hosanna in the highest, they say. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're referencing Old Testament texts about the Messiah sent of God, anointed by him. They're cheering for Jesus with all of their heart. But days later, the crowd... It's changed its opinion. Public opinion has shifted, and they're crying, crucify him. They want him dead. You see, that's what fans do, you know? They, they seem to be impressed, but they don't stay in that place. And I want to tell you there's something incredibly different between a fan and a follower. And I want to ask you for the last time today in this series, are you a fan of Jesus? 
standing back and applauding. Way to go, good man. I like what I see. Are you a follower in the ways that uh, will be further described here today? Well, after this incredible miracle, uh, Jesus uh, leaves the crowd behind. He goes away with his disciples, probably to rest. He moves on. Now, again, this is really significant. If Jesus wanted fans, he would have stayed where he was and built upon his fan base. You get that, right? Thousands of people admiring him and, 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 and wanting to follow him in their own understanding, if you would. But that's not what Jesus is about. He doesn't want fans. He wants followers. So he, he heads away. The next day, uh, the crowd shows up. They chase after him, if you would. And what follows is what can only be described as an incredibly strange discussion. Because essentially what these people want, and we don't know how many, but we're, we're assuming that, again, it's a large crowd, a very large crowd. What they essentially want is lunch. That might sound odd to you, but as we read part of this uh, chapter, you, that's going to be made clear. They want another miracle. You fed us yesterday. We got food, didn't have to pay for it. Could you do it again? Give us lunch, Jesus. We're hungry. So I'm going to read to you John 6, 25 to 35, and then we're going to unpack it together. But I want you to hear the word of God, and I want you to apply the word of God to your life. 25 to verse 35. When they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? I'm just going to pause because it strikes me profoundly. They just saw a huge miracle yesterday so that they might believe they want another one today. Our ancestors ate, they say, manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I want to tell you, my friends, these people are talking on a different level than Jesus is. They keep talking about loaves that they can consume so that their bellies will be filled. They keep talking about physical bread. They're wanting their, their, their fill. But Jesus is offering them something else. He's offering them himself. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. He's saying, I want you to feast on me. You know, I want you to, to be filled up with me. And I will give you strength. And I will give you what you need for life. 
And I want you to note this. He says, don't focus on the food that will spoil. Uh, but focus on the food that, quote, endures to eternal life. You see, these folks don't really believe in Jesus. And, and they're looking for the wrong thing. They're focused on the wrong thing. Their perspective is off. They're, they're wanting the food that will strengthen their bodies. They'll, they're wanting the uh, physical food that will satisfy their hunger. Make them strong. Allow them to live. Jesus is saying, I want you to feast on me because what I can give you is what really counts. See, the truth is when we find Jesus, when we really encounter Jesus in a living and dramatic way, and I think we've had witness to that today, of people who encountered Jesus through the heartache. But when we find Jesus and really encounter him, we discover that he is the one we are really hungry for. You know, it's like a body. Do you ever get to that place where you are really hungry? Maybe you've worked hard physically all day and maybe you've had to skip lunch because you're too busy to get to it and you sit down at dinner and your body is longing to be fed. I have. You know, and you kind of, you, you know, you, you, you wolf down your dinner and you can feel the strength entering into your body again. You're restored. You're, you're built up. You're strengthened. That food does something of significance. It satisfies our bodies. But Jesus is saying... Ultimately, what you really long for, ultimately what will ultimately satisfy you and what will ultimately strengthen your being is me. You see, Jesus is the one that we need to live. Jesus is the one that we desperately need in our experience. You see, we usually discover this, if you indeed have, in significant ways when we, you know, really need a, that next meal. When we're in a place where we are needing something in a dramatic way, uh, and he comes and provides for us. You know, have you ever had an experience where you're doing well in a job and you have a good income and all of a sudden you lose your job and you don't know literally how you're going to pay the mortgage or how you're going to buy the food to feed your children? You ever have one of those experiences when, when that uh, health condition threatens even your life? Ever been in that circumstance when a spouse comes along and says, I got to tell you, there's another person and our marriage is over. And you don't know what the future is going to look like. Can I even move forward? Am I able to do this? My friends, it is in those instances that we need to feast on Jesus. It's in those instances, at least it is, has been in my life, where we discover that he is the bread that we need to live. That he is present to us and he can nurture us and he can sustain us and he can strengthen us and that he is the source of our lives. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people in those difficult times turn to other things other than Jesus. You know, sometimes we, we turn to substances and, you know, we're just trying to cope and we cover over our pain or our heartache, drink too much or, or, or whatever it might be. Sometimes it's food and we go to food to make us feel better. We're just coping with what's going on in life, even if it's only our internal struggle. Sometimes it's sexuality, make me feel good. I just want to focus on that. Sometimes it's the dependence on people. But you know, in the end of the day, if people are really honest with themselves, they recognize that this is not enough. These things don't ultimately satisfy our souls. So we walk around in life empty, with an ache, a hunger for something more. And Jesus is saying to these people, 
What you need is me. And he says, don't worry about physical food that will perish. Focus your attention on me. Let me read verse 32 and 33 to you again. Jesus said to them, Verily, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who, is, who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Life to the world. You see, Jesus is talking about a, a, an experience of life that is dramatically different. An experience of himself that changes everything. And he's actually saying, if you want to really live, if you want to really live, if you want to know eternal life, and that's not just when we get to heaven, that's in the here and the now, you need me. And it's not just a matter of having a better devotional life or better experience in church. It's a matter of Jesus impacting everything in our experience and meeting the deepest needs of our lives. You know, some time ago I preached on the, the core needs of our lives. I don't know whether you remember them, but it is Jesus ultimately who, number one, will give us security so that he deals with our fear. It is Jesus who gives us significance because we are in relationship with God as his children and we know our significance. It is Jesus who gives us belonging. We belong in him now. We're not alone. It is Jesus who gives us purpose, meaning, you know, to pursue. And it is Jesus who gives us love. You see, no one can love us and satisfy our souls. Only he can. See, nobody can do these things better than Jesus. Nobody can do them ultimately. Well, these people hear these words of Jesus, and I'm not going to read the whole text to you, but in the end, what they demonstrate is that they are spiritually blind. They completely don't understand what Jesus is saying. Read verse 52 with me. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus has said, if you want to be mine, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Reference to communion, obviously. And they're saying, how, how, how can we do like, They completely don't understand the things of God. They simply are, are at a loss to what Jesus is saying. And then in verse 66, they leave him. Let me read verse 66 to you. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now again, Jesus is okay with this because he doesn't want people who are fans, people who turn to him to get their bellies filled, people who turn to him to get what they need out of him. He wants followers, people who truly believe in him, people who have encountered his presence and his power at work in their lives, people who are deeply satisfied because they have encountered God in Christ. Listen to the, to, to, to the expression of the disciples' faith. Of course, Peter speaks it as he often does. Here, 67 uh, to 69 of the same chapter. Jesus, have, these other disciples having left him, said this to the disciples, Do you not want to leave too? Uh, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You hear what Jesus is asking for? 
he's saying, like, do you want to head away from me as well? You know, you know I'm, I'm not feeding you. I'm not satisfying your need. The things that you desire, the things that you've asked for, and you're just going to walk away because they don't really believe. Where are you at, my people? And Peter makes this incredible statement. He says, who else could we turn to? Who else has the words of eternal life? The point is this. Nobody else has the, word, has the words of eternal life. No one else has the, has, has, has the truth that God that speaks to us through Jesus whereby we can come to know Christ and his power so that our needs, the deep, profound needs in our lives are fully met. And then he says, not only is there no one else that we can turn to, but he says, you are the Holy One of God. You know. And they didn't go anywhere. They stayed with him. Now hear me. We've identified who fans are through this series and we've identified who true followers of Jesus are. Fans bail out when they don't get what they want from him. Followers stay. They pick up their cross daily as we've talked about and they suffer. They stay in the game. It doesn't matter you know, what it takes but they stay in the game because they know who Jesus is. The Holy One of God. You know, a big focus in this story is that Jesus asks his disciples to make a decision. Are you going to go or are you going to stay? Are you going to bail out on me or do you actually believe in me regardless of what it takes that you're going to stay with me? Are you going to walk away dissatisfied because I don't give you another miracle? Don't give you lunch? Don't do what you want me to do in any given moment? Or are you going to remain and be faithful to me? <laughs> are you looking for the show, another big display of, of, of my power? Or are you going to stay with me even when I don't give you the show? See, these, these people who ultimately walked away from Jesus, they just wanted to benefit for themselves. They weren't understanding the things that Jesus was engaging here. They just wanted more food to fill their bellies. And I want to tell you, Christian people can do this. I just come to Jesus, I get my forgiveness, I get my guarantee to go to heaven, and I'm standing back. That's it. And they walked away, but for Jesus, that wasn't enough. You know, there are a lot of things in life that we don't know. You know, when you lose the job, we don't know where the money's coming from. And, you know, when we have that physical ailment that threatens our lives, we don't know what's coming. And when our marriages fail, as sometimes they do, we don't know if we can survive into the future, how we're going to live, what it's going to look like. But what followers of Jesus know to the core of their being is that Jesus is enough. See, for those who believe, there's a certainty about this because they have encountered him and they know that he is the Holy One of God and they know that he can meet their need. And they decide for him. They choose him. Because they know there is no other like him and there is nothing like him that will meet the deepest needs of their lives. I want to pose a question to you today, those of you who are here, and I want to ask you this simple question. Who needs today to decide for Jesus? 
who, like the disciples, are ready, ready to, and this is what they do, they stake their lives on Christ. They make their determination. I'm staying with you, Lord, because of who you are, because of what I've come to know about you. You see, it is really, really easy to be part of that other crowd, part of the fandom, if you would, to watch. You know, I love that analogy that I gave a little while ago. We're in the stands at a football game where the fans, were watching the players in the field. They're taking the blows. They're, they're being tackled. They're being beaten up and bruised. And we just stand back and cheer. It's easy to be in the stands as a Christian while others do all the work, while others build the kingdom of God. We, good job, everyone. Way to go. Yeah. That's simple. Anybody can do that. It's easy to, as we've talked about, live with comfortable Christianity. You know, where, where we have all the benefits of following Jesus, if you would, but none of the struggles or heartache. It's easy to know about God, know the truth about him, know what the Bible says about him, but to move into that intimate relationship with Christ and to be willing to encounter all that that requires of us when we get there, See, that can be hard. My friends, it's easy to be fed food that you don't have to pay for. But being a follower of Jesus often isn't easy. Even, and maybe especially when he doesn't give us what we ask of him. It's not easy to be a follower of Jesus when all of a sudden we're in that circumstance where we are called to sacrifice and even suffer for him and for his sake? It's difficult, in a sense, when we're called to pick up our cross and follow him daily and recognize that in doing so, we have to give him everything. You know, we give him our time, we give him our money, we give him our will. Not my will, but yours be done, Jesus prayed. We give him our hearts. And listen, in the end of the day, if we really want to follow after Jesus and move from being a fan to being a follower, we have to give him our lives unreservedly. Because we know who he is and we know there is no other who can give us life. Have you ever decided for Jesus? Have you ever if you would, staked your life on him, regardless of what the cost might be? Have you ever unreservedly given yourself, your whole being, to Christ? You know what Jesus tells us in this text is that if we do that, we will know eternal life. Eternal life. And one of the dramatic claims about Christianity is that if we will truly follow after Jesus, not just be his fan, but enter in in the ways that this series has described. What we believe is that we can become fully human. We can become everything that a human being can become, everything that God created us to be, and know life to the full. There is no one and there is nothing else that can get us there. Only Jesus. And that we will live the way that God created us to live. We will have our deepest needs met and we will know joy and love and peace. 
like no other human being can. Because we have found Jesus and committed ourselves to him. Now, I'm assuming today that there are people who, have, who are listening to me, whether it be here or online, and uh, you're recognizing that you've been a fan way too long. And very possibly that it's time to take a step into following after Christ and all that that entails. To stop watching from the sidelines and cheering others on. To no longer just be in this relationship in order to take from him what he might give you, but you come to that point where you're willing to give your heart, your life to him. You see the difference. Give me food. No, here I am. I want you. You know, you come to that point where you really want to enter into a more intimate and personal relationship with Jesus where you're ready to stake your life on him no matter what that means. Only you know right now if I'm speaking to you. But I'm pretty much guaranteed, just because of the nature of what it means to follow Jesus, we all come to this point and hopefully we step in. We, we choose Christ. I'm pretty sure there are people today who need to step away from being a fan and embrace being a follower. And I want, I'm going to give you us opportunity here today, just in about a minute of silence, for you to say, Lord Jesus, I'm ready to enter the game to build your kingdom with my life. I am ready to give you everything. And if I need to suffer in order to do your will and to see your kingdom come, I'm in. A serious commitment. But that's what Jesus calls us to if we want to follow him. So let's just spend about a minute in silence, and I think maybe with little kids here, it might not be entirely silent, but that's okay. But I want you to go to God, just each of you on your own. And if you're ready to make the commitment to take your stand in these ways, I would encourage you to do it. Because out of this dynamic experience with Christ, you will find life and life eternal. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, in this series, you have uh, made really clear what it means to be your follower. And you've made really clear, Lord, what those who truly believe in you do. 
whether it be to suffer for you when necessary, whether it be to enter into a deep, intimate relationship with you where they know not just about you, but they know you, whether it be moving away from a comfortable Christianity. Lord, all of these things, you through your word have spoken to us. If you want to follow me, this is what it looks like. And there are people here today who have responded to you. I trust. And saying, I don't want to be a fan anymore. I want to be your follower, Lord Jesus. I'm in. I'm not going to walk away from you as some might just because you don't give them what they want. Lord Jesus, I'm staying with you because there is no one else who can do for me what you can do. Because I believe that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, the most amazing opportunity that we have in life is to have this kind of relationship with you. Because it's out of this relationship of full and complete commitment of our lives to you, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it means for us, the Lord, we find life and life eternal. Lord, I want to pray for this church, first of all. I want to pray that you will fill it with people who are your followers, who are fully and wholly and unreservedly committed to you, who believe that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and that by following you, they are connecting with God and they're entering into a new life centered on you and your cause and your purposes. For Lord, as we increasingly become such people, this church will come alive as we serve you, as we love in our, in our ministries through our community. God, you will move. So Lord, I want to pray for every, every person who calls IPC home. And I pray Lord, that by your spirit you'll so work in their lives that they move away from being a fan, if indeed that is still what they are. And they can become committed followers of yours. Lord, give people the wisdom to do so and the grace to do so. And Lord, when they do, I just pray that you will usher them into a new experience of life, a new quality of living, with you at the center. Challenges, yes, but Lord, an experience of God that they've never known before. An experience which leads them to joy, and to love and to peace, and to worship before you. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge this series has brought, this material that's been studied in our life groups. Do your work in us, Lord, that we might know you and that we might live for you in all that we do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.